Good morning, and welcome to The Business Of. Today's topic is the business of connecting with animals to overcome trauma. Today's guest is Jeannie Joseph, the founder and executive director of the Human-Animal Connection. But before we get started, I'd like to thank a few of our Keystone investors, including Trico, Tucson Airport Authority, and Tucson Electric Power. Okay, let's go ahead and get started. Good morning, Jeannie. Good morning, Heather. How's your morning so far? Oh, it's lovely. Good. So go ahead and tell us about your nonprofit, the Human-Animal Connection, and how it came to be. Well, we started out working with active duty, and we've worked with over 4,000 service members. Wow. And for that work, we were given President Obama's Volunteer Service Award. My goodness. Yeah. How did Obama even learn about your organization? We had Our earlier version, our earlier incarnation, was called Act Resilient. And this was a program using improv comedy and laughter, expressive arts for soldiers. Okay. And we were getting just incredible results with PTSD. We were working with soldiers who were hospitalized with PTSD. Uh-huh. And it was going so well, over 80% reduction in symptoms of PTSD. PTSD and stress. And when I started bringing in the therapy animals, I thought, oh my God, what they can do in 10 minutes, why am I working so hard? (laughs) (laughs) Because it's just amazing what animals can do. They just open the heart, you know, even if somebody is just shut down for trauma or whatever, physical, mental, emotional, the animals just kind of touch them in a place that is beyond words. It's true. Yeah. And you hear about sometimes when uh, organizations will take dogs into, say, assisted living and how just rewarding that is for them to have that companionship and even lowers blood pressure, right, when you pet an animal? It does, and it uh, helps you, you know, just 20 minutes of petting and interacting releases oxytocin, which is the feel-good hormone when women are breastfeeding. It's women and men have oxytocin. So Mm -hmm. it is just extraordinary. So Sophia does visits. My my therapy dog, she's under the table right here. You can't see her because it's radio, but she's being very cute. She's adorable (laughs) for those who can't see her. So she goes in, she'll work with um, people in assisted living where you're working with some prisoners. We're going to start a new program with prisoners. But our flagship program is called Canines Teach Compassion. Okay. And this is a program we do in the high schools, and we bring the dogs in to work with kids who are in counseling. You probably know teens these days are under just tremendous stress and lots of anxiety and loneliness and, you know, coming out of COVID and all that. I don't have to go into that story. Mm -hmm. You know that story. But what the dogs can do is they really help them re-engage with life. Wow. Yeah. That's fantastic. So how many high schools in the Tucson area are you already involved with, or how does that work? Yeah, well, we're a small organization, so right now we're we're going very deep in with one school, but we'll do occasional visits, shorter, just single visits to other schools. But this program is a four- or a six-week program. And we actually will have the kids train the therapy dogs. And we bring in dogs that are still in training as therapy dogs so the kids learn how to train them. And what they learn is is that every dog has a little bit of a different learning style. Mm-hmm. And sure. what that Just helps, like humans, right? <laughs> just like humans. You uh-huh. got it. That's our whole point is that not everybody learns the same mm-hmm. way. And it's really funny when we see a dog outsmart us, you know, like <laughs> instead of going through the hoop, going around the hoop. Sure. Get, you know, and everybody cracks up. But it makes a good point that, that, you know, the one who goes against the rules is sometimes the one who's the genius. You know? <laughs> That's true, right? It's the smarter dog who doesn't play by the rules. So it helps them to understand that. And we'll line up like five different dogs, like a 130-pound bull mastiff uh-huh. next to Sophia, who's a 25-pound chihuahua mix. Right. right. 
and we'll, all these different dogs, and we'll say, well, what's the same and what's different? And, of course, all these things are different about the different sizes, shapes, sure. colors. But in the end, they're all dogs. Right. And it's the same with the kids, mm-hmm. right? They have all kinds of differences. They look different. They sound different. Mm-hmm. They talk different. But in the end, they're all kids. And that really helps them to have compassion. And one of our main points is you can't be compassionate to anyone else until you have compassion for yourself. True. Yes. That's so true. And I know that you work with the dogs in animal shelters, mm-hmm. right? Yep. So tell us more about that. Yep. So I've worked with um, probably uh, 2,000 dogs across different shelters in Hawaii, in Arizona, all the different shelters here and rescues. And what we specialize in is the dogs that are shy or traumatized. Okay. We have techniques that will help dogs that are cowering in their cages, that won't make eye contact, that are afraid to connect with humans. Okay. And we have methods that very quickly turn them into dogs that can make eye contact, that come up oh. and sit and look you right in the eye. Because one of the things I discovered, like right now at PAC, we have over 500 dogs, as you know. It's horrible. Yes. It's sad. Um, so what I, when I talk to adopters, you know, someone walks away with a dog and says, why did you pick that one? There's 499 that you didn't yeah, pick. Yeah, why did you know, Why that one? Uh-huh. Like, oh, it's the way he looked at me. I, I couldn't leave him yeah. after the way he looked at me. So I realized the most important thing we teach after sit for a shelter dog is to make eye contact. Interesting. And, you know, eye contact is not natural for all dogs. Some dogs, if they've lived in a home, they're, they're comfortable. They understand that it gets right. them treats. It gets them love. Sure. <laughs> right. But if a dog has been through a difficult or adverse circumstances, eye contact is very scary and it's intimidating. And so they have to learn that eye contact is safe. And it's the same thing with humans. Not all humans are comfortable making eye contact. Sure. And the kids teach them that too. So one of the first things the kids teach in our tain- canines teach compassion class is how to teach the dogs how to focus, what we call focus, which is making the eye contact. They hold a treat right between their <laughs> eyes, and, of course, the dog focuses, and the minute they focus, I they get a treat. It. And so they learn that eye contact is a good thing. <laughs> I love it. That's so smart yeah. and simple, yet so simple. smart. That's yeah. great. And so, the reason why we yeah. use the word focus is we teach the kids that what they focus on, they're going to get more of. Mm-hmm. So if they're focusing on what they're nervous or anxious or angry about, they're going to feel more of it. And if they learn how to switch to what feels good and what feels safe, they're going to feel the release, the relaxation. And so focus is not just important for dogs, but it's important for all of us. Definitely. Well, it's the law of attraction, right? The law of attraction. So when you put out positivity, that's what you attract. But if you're just focusing on all the negativity, that's what you're going to keep experiencing, Yes. And, you know, a lot of these kids, no one has ever taught them how to run their own brain. Oh, interesting. You know, and so we teach them that, yeah, you can. You can choose what you focus on. I mean, it isn't always easy and it isn't always going to work, but 90% of the time, if you just make that choice to direct your focus to what's good, Mm -hmm. then you're going to feel better. And so the principle of goodness is one of our foundational principles in the human-animal connection. Okay. And what we mean by that is not good, bad in a moral sense, but what we mean is the principle of goodness, the feeling of goodness, the feeling of safety. Good feels safe, safe feels good. Right, right. And when we can get people uh, filling their own goodness tank, their sense of safety, Mm -hmm. they're less likely to act out and do crazy things. True. Self-care is extremely important. And I'm curious, though, why are you working with high school kids versus, say, elementary or middle school? Great question. Well, there are some wonderful organizations here working with the elementary school, gotcha. like Gabriel's Angels and okay. you know other organizations. So we feel like there's some good work happening there. We love good. the work they're doing. We felt that the high school kids were, there's less available to them. And, and there's I think there's a statistic that it's something like 
900, don't quote me exactly, 900 (laughs) students to every guidance counselor in Tucson in the high school. So there's a tremendous need. Mm -hmm. And also high school students are hard. (laughs) Uh The first time I walked into class, you know, and and I've worked with soldiers, I've worked with generals, I've worked with, you know, doctors, everybody, prisoners. I walked into this room of 13-year-old girls after the first class, I said, you can't pay me to go back into that room. Oh. <laughs> you know, it was so painful. You know, <laughs> This was right like just after COVID, like when they first got back to school. So they were completely shut down. They were completely not engaged. They weren't willing to speak up, and we we're all in masks. And it was sure. really, really hard to break through this wall of misery. You know, It was like, wow, oh, my God, I can't do this. And, but then I figured it out. I knew what I needed to do. I just turned it over to the dogs. <laughs> I'm going to talk less. Let the dogs do more. Exactly. <laughs> it will be right. fine. And that was it. Right. Get right to work. <laughs> yeah. Get yeah. down to it. Yeah. And now I saw something on your website about the trust technique, being yes. a trust technique practitioner. Mm-hmm. Share that. Yes. So I am certified as a trust technique practitioner. And this okay. is um, the core of our work with dealing with trauma, both human and animal, but it's specifically with animals. And what we find is that, that you cannot even think about healing until you build trust. Mm. So trust is the foundation from which all change happens. And this is really important. Like if, if a patient doesn't trust their therapist, they're not going to open up. They're sure. not going to talk. They're mm-hmm. not going to share. They're not going to be real. Mm-hmm. They're going to say what the therapist wants to hear, exactly. <laughs> right, or whatever. And so trust is really the experience of peace and acceptance. Mm-hmm. So when the animals feel like we're entering their world and we have all these methods to learn how to enter the animal world, because there's certain behavior that's polite in dog world mm. that's not you know what we think of as polite and certain things that we think are polite dogs don't think are polite right. like you know that whole hand over the head to meet a dog is like really rude oh, <laughs> you, know? you know so we teach the kids you know what it is to be polite in dog language and then they begin to understand okay well you know humans have some similar kinds uh-huh. of ways that they like and don't like that's so interesting yeah well, you know, interesting, a lot of the acts of violence, the horrible headlines that we hear, these are kids who are very isolated, who are not feeling connected, right. have no friends. And so we. this is really a, a, the Surgeon General, the current Surgeon General, Vivek Murthy, if I said his name right, mm-hmm. he wrote a book about this about, called Together, I think it's called. And he really talks about the epidemic of loneliness that's going on in the world. Mm-hmm. And some people don't have the social skills that they need to connect in a meaningful way. You know, they can say hey, thank you in the in the grocery store or something, but they don't know how to really connect. And the animals help us bypass that because Mm -hmm. they connect whether you know how to or not, you know. Mm -hmm. They bypass your insecurities, your loneliness, your anger, your fear, everything. They just go, hey, you're you're a person. I want to know you. (laughs) Especially therapy dogs. You know, these are dogs who are who really have that gift. Not every dog is 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 a therapy dog just like not every person would be a good therapist. Exactly. Not everybody has that empathy. Right. But when you see a great therapy dog, uh, they just, they touch in places that we can't even imagine. How do they do that? Mm-hmm. We had this one boy and he was, you know, younger than the others. Maybe he was smarter or whatever, but he was too young for high school and he just didn't talk at all. Mm-hmm. And we had this 130-pound bull mastiff. And therapy dogs are not normally allowed to lick people. <laughs> it's not right. part of therapy mm-hmm. work, right? Right. True. But this dog, just this with this one boy, decided, I'm going to lick this boy. Oh. And he started licking and licking and licking. And it was so funny because this dog was bigger than the boy, right? <laughs> and he almost fell over. But after that, you couldn't stop him from talking. 
He right. just he was just it tapped talking. into something. Yeah, because yeah. it was like he said, "This is my special boy. I'm right. going for my boy." And everybody oh watched goodness. that and saw him just open up like a flower. Oh, that's I don't know beautiful. if you want to be called a flower, but it was no, beautiful. no. I get it. That's a good analogy. That's beautiful. That's yeah. fantastic. If you're just now joining us, you're listening to Tucson Metro Chambers, The Business Of. I'm Heather Wolpern, and today's guest is Jeannie Joseph, the founder and executive director for the Human-Animal Connection. And you mentioned before the act-resilient method, I believe, Mm -hmm. but do you want to expand on that a little bit more? Yeah, so um, that is a method that we used improv comedy, laughter, Um, expressive arts, really getting people to get back into their childhood playful self Mm -hmm. because we have a natural resilience when we reach into our playful creative side. It helps us to, you know, come back into the present. And when I began bringing in the therapy horses and the therapy dogs to work with them and I saw how how fast uh, transformation could be was happening, I said, wow, this is going to be my main focus. So we still use a lot of the principles in Act Resilient, um, but now our main focus is really working with the therapy animals. Fantastic. And I also saw on your website, you have several different workshops. Do you want to share about your workshops? Sure. Well, we have one that's really fun. It's called On Donkey Time. (laughs) (laughs) And this is kind of mindfulness with donkeys. Okay. And donkeys are really interesting because people think, oh, donkeys are stupid or donkeys are stubborn. or They have all kinds of crazy ideas about donkeys, right? But the truth is, is that donkeys are primarily motivated by self-preservation. Oh, and what that means is they will only do what feels safe and good to them. Okay. They will not do what looks scary or what seems weird or whatever. They That's don't understand. So interesting. It. Yes. So what we do is we teach people in this workshop how to get calm because the donkey is not interested in you if you're not calm. <laughs> and so we're sitting in a circle wide enough apart that people can come and approach if they want. Mm-hmm. I mean, the donkey can approach if they if he if he wants. And they, the donkey will really, if you're peaceful, the donkey will come up and sniff you and hang with you and just be present with you and want to mm-hmm. be touched. But if you're stressed or afraid or doubt yourself, the donkey will say, eh, no thanks, I think oh. I'll. So it's very accurate training. I mean, I don't know any medical equipment that could test your stress levels as well as a donkey. That's so interesting. <laughs> yeah, that's news to me. I, I didn't know. know that. I know. Wow. And, and how did you discover that about donkeys? Um, what was the, how did I discover it? It's hard to say, you know, it's hard to pinpoint an exact point, but you know, it, it, it just became clear working with this one donkey who wasn't a trained therapy donkey. We're training him now, um, because he was a little shy at first and wasn't so interested in being touched, but now he's getting really interested in, you know, humans. Oh, humans. Good. I think. Yes. (laughs) Oh, that's so cool. That's so interesting. And then also what is the relationship training and why is that so important? Well, thanks for asking that. Yeah, well, in our uh, method, the human-animal connection, we have 33 principles. Okay. And one of our main ideas is that there's no such thing as a bad dog. There is bad behavior. It doesn't Mm -hmm. mean we have to put up with all behaviors. All dogs are good dogs, but all behavior is an attempt to either feel connected or to feel safe. But the problem is, is that when a dog is in a dysfunctional state, their behavior is going to be not, a f- you know, it's going to be counter to what maybe the human wants. And so mm. when we see a problem, instead of saying, well, the dog is having a problem, what we say is there's a communication breakdown in the relationship. Okay. That the human is not understanding the signal that the dog is giving, and the dog is not understanding what the human really wants. Right. And so we approach all issues from the point of view of how can we repair the relationship? Mm-hmm. How can we make that dog and that person understand each other's desire more simply, more clearly, and then the behavior follows. 
That's so interesting. Now, do you ever go to people's homes to yes, help them with their pets? I do. I mm. do. I make house calls. You do. That's fantastic. <laughs> I do Zooms. I do private consultations. So I, I work specifically on this area, on, on emotional and, and relationship and communication issues. So I don't do hard training like, you know, if you have an aggressive dog, I'm probably not the one to call. Okay. But if you have an issue where you're you're wanting to understand what the dog really feels or maybe what the dog's purpose is or, you know, sometimes people will ask me. I'm a big believer in the, the name of a dog is extremely important. Oh, tell us more. Yeah. Well, the name carries the energy. Like in the in the native tradi- traditions it's or in the Hawaiian tradition, it's like it carries the energy or the spirit, what we call mana in uh-huh. Hawaiian. And uh, so having the right name can really transform the animal's experience because you're using that name every day. You know, Sophia, Sophia. Sure, here, sure. Right, right. So um, it needs to be a name that expresses her essence as best as I can. How do you know what to name a new pet then? Yeah, so you have to really listen to your intuition. Okay. So, you know, when I got Sophia, she was a rescue here. She'd been in all the shelters here. She was a feral, wild animal. When I first got this her, sweet little this dog. sweet little thing oh under goodness. the table. It's hard to believe. I know. Well, she used to scare <laughs> grown men. Like when we, what? when we would walk, people would like the maintenance men. I lived in an apartment complex. They would like go away around. Oh they would take, walk out of their way to like not cross us. And, oh you know, she was a wild thing. But of course, now she's wonderful in <laughs> therapy animal. <laughs> so I had to really listen because... Uh, her shelter name was Allison, and that's not a bad name, but it's not her personality. It doesn't express mm. her essence. Mm. But Sophia means wisdom, mm-hmm. and this is our deal together is that we share wisdom. Oh, I love that. Yeah. That's so sweet. It I is had tricky. This one, I just got to tell you this one story. Yeah. My friend had a horse, and um, his son adopted him. And the son, Well, they adopted him, but the son named him, and the son named him Rowdy. And of course, this horse was like always getting into fights, picking yeah, fights with everyone. Yeah, effect, yeah, right? Yeah, right. you are what you become. Or yes, what you're told the to energy, become. right? Yeah, exactly. And so, yeah, I explained this to him about the power of names, and he trusted me. He's a kind of tough guy, you know, but <laughs> tough cowboy type. But he trusted me, and he re- renamed his horse Ares. Ares, A R E S, the Greek word. I think it's the Greek word for courage. Courage. Uh-huh. And this horse transformed overnight. I mean, it was amazing. Wow. The other horses realized that he was different because when he called him Aries, the horse, you could see him get proud. He would stand tall. So he didn't need to pick fights to be seen. Interesting. Because he was seen for who he was. Uh-huh. And he could relax. That's himself. so interesting. Well, even with humans, they'll yeah. change their name. So yeah. say, you know, a teenager before they start a new high school or when they go off to college or whatever, they'll be like, you know what? I'm going to go by this name now. Yeah. And it's because they identify with that so much right. more. And I understand that. It, it totally really helps. It really helps you move into your essence. Mm-hmm. That's so interesting. Uh, you have written a book. Yeah. And I'm not surprised because I feel like we could sit here and talk for hours and hours about all this knowledge and experience you have that could really help people. So tell us more about what your book is about and just tell us. Yeah, thank you. <laughs> it's called The Human-Animal Connection, uh-huh. Deepening Relationships with Animals and Ourselves. Mm-hmm. So it's really about exploring the depth of possibility of connection. So beyond just simple petting, beyond just, you know, oh, I love you. I mean, we all love our animals, but sure. some of us want to go deeper. Some of us really want to understand who this animal is as a being. Um, and this book really helps you do that. So it's based on the 33 principles of our work, and it talks all about working with shelter animals and with animals at home and with zoo animals. 
like Sophia and I went to the zoo at the time. They had a tiger who was not a happy camper, you know, pacing all the time. And there was a glass wall between us, so we weren't touching. But um, what we did, Sophia and I sat uh, near the wall, and he sat with us for 20 minutes. Wow. And just was engaged. We were doing the trust technique, which is our method of energy healing, which doesn't require touch. So when you're working with zoo animals or frightened animals or, you know, animals. You're safe. Yeah, Mm. yeah. So it's really beautiful work. So the book has a workbook. It helps people do these exercises and practice themselves. And we're going to be starting a class based upon the work pretty soon. Neat. And with these 33... Principles. Or yeah. principles, rather. Yeah. Uh-huh. That's a long list. It's a lot. Yeah, but so how it's not did a you, fast read. <laughs> how did you develop these 33, and why not 35? And yeah, well, <laughs> yeah, great question. Well, first of all, I learned it all from the animals in the shelter. Everything that I learned is from working with them because they are in a challenging, stressful situation. Sure. I mean, thank God for shelters. They do the best that they can, mm-hmm. but it's just not... It's like putting an, a person in solitary confinement. You know, these animals... They lose their freedom of choice. They're overwhelmed with sights, smells, you know, what they're hearing. They never get a break. So their adrenaline cortisol levels go up and up and up, and their brain actually gets stuck, addicted to these high adrenaline states. Interesting. And so it takes time to really help an animal like that. You have to actually reteach them how to be calm. They don't know how to calm themselves. Mm. And so that's what we do. We teach them that. So that method will work for the human because you can't teach it unless you're calm yourself. True, true. <laughs> now, how much time does it take with the shelter pets and does it make uh, an impact on when they are then uh, adopted? I yeah. mean, how, how quick of a turnaround yeah, is Yeah, great that? question. Well, of course, it depends on the level of trauma and stress. But I've had dogs that respond in one session. I've had dogs that I work with for six weeks, you know, going every day or every week. Um, so it really varies. But every dog that I've worked with has gotten adopted very quickly. Oh, interesting. Yeah. So it really wow. makes a difference. And so you've mentioned dogs. You've mentioned donkeys yeah. and horses, too, oh, horses, right? Tell yeah. us about the horses. We have a workshop called The Power of Presence. Oh. And it's all about getting peaceful, getting present with the horses. Mm -hmm. Because just like, as I mentioned with the donkey, they're more interested in us when we're peaceful and calm than when we're stressed. I mean, they'll put up with us when we're stressed. (laughs) They're not going to, you know, (laughs) reject us. But but it's just so much more interesting. And, of course, those of you who are interested in animal communication, I don't know if you believe in that, but some of our listeners might and some might not. But, Mm -hmm. you know, it's whatever you're willing to accept. If you're willing to accept just at the level of pure observation of body language, Animals are communicating all the time. It's just we don't always know what they want. Exactly. But one of the principles in the human-animal connection is that animals have opinions. Mm-hmm. And they want what they want, and they don't want what they don't want. Now, that doesn't mean they always get what they want, but just knowing that they have an opinion changes how we relate to them. Mm-hmm. Exactly. So when you first got involved with all this, was it just out of your personal interest, or did you go through something your own where it really... Uh, made a difference when you connected with an animal? It really, for me, was my healing journey, you know, Mm -hmm. working with animals in shelter. When I first started going to shelter, I lived in Hawaii at the time, I would go to the shelter, take a dog out to the little grassy area, just this little area, not too much bigger than the studio here, Mm -hmm. and the dog would just roll on his back, and, you know, I'd do these soothing touch things, and I would just cry every day. Wow. (laughs) You know, because it was, was, you know, it was a lot to... You know, going to the shelter is not easy. No, it's, it's not. not easy. Right. And it was my healing journey. And then I said, you know what? I, th- I think other people could use this too. Yes, 
Oh, that's fantastic. And so how many years have you been involved in this now? So it's been about 10 years, but it, okay. it took about 10 years, like the form that it's in now, 33 right. principles you asked about. Right. 33 is a sacred number, by the way, so that's mm-hmm. the reason why I picked it. But it it took a while to evolve, and I'd say I learned it all from the animals. I mean, of course, I read everybody, and I studied with the people that I could, you know, find. But, right. but in the end, it was the animals who taught me. That's beautiful. That's fantastic. What else? Um, would you like to share before we sign off today? Yeah, well, love people to go to our website. We have a free newsletter. It's the humananimalconnection.org. And we have a free newsletter. We have about 70 blogs that are free. We have tons of videos. And we also have classes and events. So if you sign up for our newsletter, that's where I announce the latest classes that people can join. And we have people of all ages coming to our classes, and we also do special groups. Like we're going to do a special group for paralyzed women veterans oh, interesting. next next uh, Veterans Day. Oh, wow. Yeah. That's yeah. so cool. And then, uh, so how often do you have classes? Usually every month. Okay. Yeah. Fantastic. And do people bring their own pets to it, or do they um, deal with Well, when we're doing our therapy dog class, for those, if there are listeners out there who want who think their dog could be a therapy dog, we have a free video. It's an hour uh could my dog be a therapy dog? If you think you have a good candidate, definitely get watch that video. Oh. Get in touch with us. Uh-huh. We do do classes because we're that's one of the reasons why we can't be in more schools because we need more more dogs and more people who are trained. Oh so, right, yeah. exactly. Yeah. yeah, what a what a cool cool organization doing Thank such you. great work. I love it. We hope the information shared today on the business of inspires you to check out thehumananimalconnection.org. Thanks so much to today's guest. Jeannie Joseph, the founder and executive director of the Human-Animal Connection. And in case you didn't catch this episode from the beginning or would like to listen to it again, visit our website or search for Tucson Metro Chambers, the business of, on your favorite podcast app. Would you like to be my guest or sponsor an episode? Email thebusinessof at tucsonchamber.org. Thank you so much for listening and have a fantastic day.